Welcome to the Accountants Exposed podcast, where we create light bulb moments for our listeners by exposing the journeys, secrets, and insights of some of the top players in accounting. This podcast is brought to you by Michael Edelstein, Director and Founder of Recruitment Expert, a specialist accounting recruitment agency working across Australia, New Zealand, and Asia Pacific. Ladies, gentlemen, and accountants, I'm excited to have Linda Stephens from the Small Business Project on the podcast today. I had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing Linda at the Accounting and Business Expo. And she has taken an overused phrase that we're all sick and tired of hearing, business advisory. And with her 30 plus years experience in practice and her passion for helping clients, she has systemized the approach and the implementation, but more importantly, she tackles the mind shift or shifts for some of you guys that's necessary to succeed in this worthwhile endeavor. So listen in and enjoy. But before you go, from the feedback I've had, many of you love listening to the podcast and have recommended it to your friends and colleagues. The ones that haven't, you know who you are. Spread the word so we can raise the standard in the industry. And also, give me some love. Let me know what you like, dislike, comment on. LinkedIn, send me an email. Otherwise, this becomes a very lonely labor of love. Enjoy. Hi, Linda. Thank you so much for making the time to join me on the podcast today. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here. Now, we met at the Accounting and Business Expo not that long ago, and you had a very catchy title. Can you, do you remember what it was? Of course I remember what it was. <laughs> so our catchy title uh, for my presentation was uh, Why Advisory as We Know It is Not the Answer to Increasing uh, Value in Your Firm. Okay, and what made you come up with a title like that one? <laughs> well, we want to educate uh, accountants around what advisory is or what they know it is now and what we feel really connects to the market. Uh, and we don't believe they're quite doing that just yet. So, What's that difference there that you're talking about? Yeah, so I think the difference is is that we're not meeting clients where they are as accountants and with our services uh, or our explanation or positioning of our services. So mm -hmm. our services are very valuable and they will absolutely help our clients, but it's the way we talk about them, the way we deliver them. We don't know really how to translate them in a way that clients can understand them. Can you give me an example, something specific so that people can get an idea of exactly what you're referring to? Yeah, sure. So let's take a cash flow forecast, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, that's very useful for looking at actual results, learning what good months are, are doing, what did we do, we want to repeat that, we had a not so good month, um, let's not repeat what happened in that not so good month. Um, but when we, an accountant, talks about that to a client, they'll say, let's do a cash flow forecast. They won't explain what it does for the client or what mm. they can learn or they won't connect it then with increasing their turnover uh, yeah. or increasing their staff efficiency. And uh, so we've got to be able to have a way to obtain from the client what they really want to achieve in business. And when you do that, then as accountants, we've got the opportunity to line our services up with uh, what a client truly wants to achieve 
at the moment there's a disconnect. We're not meeting clients where they are. They can't really understand us or see the the value or relatability in what we do. Mm. Okay, what's the path to achieving that? From your perspective? Well, I think there's definitely uh, a little bit of education, opening our mind to different ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the moment, I think particularly around advisory services, we're we're really just trying to do them like we've always done before, which is like compliance. So when we talk about them, clients like, that sounds a lot like more compliance that I don't (laughs) want to pay for. Um, And then we get you know, stuck in that and we get that same fee resistant. As in like when they're offering them, yeah. say, to do a cash flow forecast and yeah. like they're offering to charge extra for that. Exactly. Okay. But the client goes, no, that's just more compliance. I don't want to do that. Um, when really it could help them achieve their business goals. But the path forward is looking at a different way of doing that uh, and how you do that instinctively as an accountant who we just are as accountants um, mm-hmm. and not feeling like we have to sell or do anything like that. Okay. So what is the right way of approaching that with a client? Like how do you, what do you teach your clients mm. who are accounting firms? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if, if you were running one, how would you approach that so that you are becoming more and more proficient in business advisory? Yeah. So I think the first thing that you have to do is to step back and look at who we are instinctively as accountants and what we value and how we go about understanding the world. And mm-hmm. the and the first thing is that we are extremely information driven and mm. and detail driven. So the more information we get, the better. So yeah. the first step is teaching an accountant the process around gathering information from a client. So we talk about gathering information um, in more than a financial sense. We're used to getting a tiny little bit of information around previous financial accounts, tax returns, those sorts of things that we would normally get. But to do advisory successfully, you need a whole lot more information So what's been happening, Michael, is we've been feeding this negative cycle of accountants can't sell, accountants are not successful with advisory because we've been trying to do it without the information we've needed. Mm -hmm. And so then it feels very, very wrong, quite fraudulent. I'm just selling something. I'm not really sure what that is because we haven't filled our information bucket to feel confident to move forward. Because it feels very vague, you're saying. Very vague. Yeah. It has no well, detail. Yeah. How do we, well, let's go back to fundamentals then, because, you know, as you said before, everyone kind of brandishes the term around business mm. advisory, but mm. how would you define it? What is the definition that you're comfortable with? Yeah. Uh, so that's the thing. Uh, the definition is unique to you, is unique mm. to your firm. It essentially, at its core, advisory is anything you don't have to do. As in okay. anything you don't have to do, I like that. Okay, it can be anything it can be yeah. anything from a bookkeeping audit or a review of a chart of accounts, right up to CFO management accounts and you know high level advisory and succession type planning. You know that's hmm. the other extreme. So it's anything you don't have to do as a business to keep up your compliance requirement uh, or your statutory well, obligations. Based on your clients and your advice, them where where do you guide them to get started on that advisory 
path? Like, what should they start offering that's yeah nice, practical, and a, and a good stepping stone? We start very simply when we're helping them build out an advisory solution, and it, it involves a cash flow budget and just regularly meeting with a client on a monthly basis to talk about what happened this month, what can we learn, good or bad. Where are we now in the month and how do we achieve the target that we set for this month? What do we need? Okay. So, so more cash flow. Very simply. Yeah, very, very simply. And how would you price that? Uh, so there's a couple of different pricing points and, and I always take the opinion that it's dependent on your client base. So how sophisticated the clients are that you have. And, of course, mm. in accounting we have a very broad range of, of the clients that we, we deal with. Uh, I think there's two pricing points when you're trying to encourage clients to engage in a regular ongoing advisory relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's around the $500 mark and then around the $1,000 mark per Per month. month. Per month. Okay. And is there a minimum size of client that accounting firm should be targeting? No, Uh, because I think the thing is uh, that self-assessment who are we to decide as the professional whether a client wants these services or not? Is there a guideline? Would you say a million turnover, two million turnover? No. Million profit? No. You'd be surprised who wants them. I think it, it's all back to if you put what you can offer around your yeah. services to a client, uh, it will always help anybody. It's it's about the willingness to pay for that or the the seeing yeah. the value in it, isn't it? Really. So and how much? How do you def- like determine? whether it's 500 or 1,000. Well, that certainly is to do with if you're dealing with a mum and dad partnership or maybe a trust or something Mm -hmm. that it does come back to affordability. So, you know, a 500,000 to a million-dollar turnover company is maybe willing to try $500 a month for six months to see how it goes. And that would just be cash flow? Yeah, at that's yes, that's exactly all it would be. Um, And then each thing would be an extra charge on top of that? Yeah, depending on what they needed. But that's the place to start. If you had a more sophisticated uh, business in that they had a number of entities, you're dealing with bigger family groups, perhaps instead of just talking with one person on a monthly basis, you're talking to a leadership group of three, uh, then that's a different scenario. So it it depends on uh, who your client is and and what their needs are. Mm. Okay. Mm. And who would be doing this? Would it be the partner? Would it be a manager? Would it be a senior accountant? A junior can even do this? Yes. We believe that anyone with five plus years in public practice can do advisory following our process. Five years experience. Five years. Because that's the cutoff. Okay. Yeah. We because there is some there's technical skill involved in understanding what you're doing as an accountant. And secondly, you need to have seen enough businesses to be under, able to understand the basic business mechanics, you know. Which is business now, basically. Exactly. Yeah. It's a bit of business now. So if I pull this lever, what will happen? If I pull that lever, will that go up or down? So it's those mechanics that you naturally achieve after dealing with many SMEs over your career. Mm, okay. Is there, are there particular skill sets or training that, you know, a, a senior accountant or five years experience would need to go from, you know, a typical compliance 
Business Services Tax Accounts to being able to deliver that business advisory service? No. No, I don't think so. So they're just turning on the tap, basically, or flicking the switch. From our perspective, it comes down to having a process. So it's not really about your skill. It's not about your soft skills. It's not about whether you're a good conversationalist or you're not, or whether you're Mm. an introvert or an extrovert. Uh, It's really about following a process. Okay. And what is, and I, I think that's kind of the, the tenant of your organization is yeah. you come in and you deliver a pro show your clients a process that they can follow and, and give them basically, you know, from A to B to Z. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, look, and, and this is why there's been a lot of suppliers or uh, in the market to accountants talking about advisory for a long time now. 100%. And, yeah. And there's been, you know, rather mixed success, around advisory or not you know the majority of firms aren't seeing success in advisory and so I think a lot of people have talked about why you should do it we all understand why we should do it we've got the concept of what it is for the most part Uh, it's the how you actually do it now when we see particular people or firms do very well with advisory and they are out there they're they're definitely out there Uh, you've normally got a rather um enigmatic leader that is just doing it naturally and and they're following their own process but it's a real just natural instinctive thing and then that's where we've developed this idea that we have to be a conversationalist we have to have great great skills in that area we have to be able to sell Uh, we don't we've broken that all down into follow this process and it will work yeah okay um can you give me an example of what the process looks like oh gosh how long is a piece of string well yeah i mean <laughs> well, well like for example when you come in and it's, it's a brand new client i've never really yeah. done okay. advisory yeah, okay. what is a one once i've left your coaching what are the biggest changes that you see in the workflows or processes having followed your your advice perfect actually i was just talking to a firm in the us this morning that we were explaining this to and so accountants tend to think that their services are the hero of what they are doing and they will always lead with the services okay Mm -hmm. um our clients don't necessarily understand what those services are or what they will deliver uh for them So it's really a path of discovering from the client what they want to achieve and then it's up to us as the accountants to match our services to them, not wait to be asked for a service. Mm -hmm. So it's a different way of looking at it. It's a a more discovery journey, a more gathering information, then we give the advice. So I, I talk about it as the client needs a reason before they need an answer. All our mm-hmm. services are answers. So we've got to work out what the reason is they need to work with us and we need to gather information to be able to do that. Okay. So is, does your process then evolve going through a series of questions? Yes, it does. It has okay. a series of meetings. It has a series of questions. It has scripts. Um only to get started, we actually encourage our students to make the scripts their own, to actually speak how they would speak and use the yep. words they would use. But they are there to get them started. 
So scripts, question lists of questions, uh, everything that you start to learn that it does just then once you experience it the first couple of times, it becomes quite instinctual to yourself. Uh, yeah, okay. They pick it up very quickly, very, very and do you, quickly. Do you show a process on delivery as well? Like... Yes, we do. Yes, that's okay. all part of it. So when you come into to doing this training, the business metamorphosis advisor training, it really is about coming in, learning a different way of looking at things, a different approach to doing advisory. We help you with what those services will be. We show you how to talk to a client, when to talk to the client, what to talk to them about, yeah. um, help you with what the service delivery is and then how to actually deliver it. So when do I send the proposal? When do I follow them up? Um, what do I say when I follow them up? Um, and also, too, we have the implementation side of things. So there's plenty of times, and I had another practitioner say to, this to me just the other day, Linda, I've done all these coaching things before, but I go back to my full-time job and then guess what happens? I don't do anything. So, so this was my other question, too. Is like, yeah. So once a month, like I know I have firms that obviously offer you know management accounting or, or some sort of advisory stuff on a quarterly basis which i think is kind of semi-manageable depending on how your firm is leveraged yes. but monthly for, for a busy practice especially in the current market where everyone's struggling for staff how do you find the time to deliver you know probably at least an hour plus the prep time plus the you know the cash flow prep um to deliver that service and also keep up with your compliance mm, work mm. and practice management. Yeah. Well, there has to be uh, a small amount of capacity there uh, to start with. That's, that's mm. ideal. But the thing is, accountants, the way they approach advisory now, think that there is actually a lot of prep. There actually is no prep. The way I, okay. because we are driven by what the client wants to talk about. Now, that's very scary for us because it's unstructured. It could go anywhere. It's like, oh my gosh, what if I don't know the answer to a question that the client asks me? Well, I think just, the, I'm mean, just thinking like preparing the cash flow forecast properly. And then also sitting down, like I'm thinking how I would do it in the account. Hey, I would need to prepare it or someone in my team would have to prepare. And then before the meeting, I'd probably have to kind of scan through it to identify certain issues or potentials for improvement. Um, so that's yeah. you thinking you've got to give the answer again. So we flip this entirely around to the fact that you are not the expert as the accountant. You are not the expert in the client's business. The client is. So mm -hmm. our job as an accountant doing business improvement advisory is about facilitating their own learning journey and their ability to, to do the legwork, to do the hard work. The accountant doesn't come up with the answers at all. So there's very little prep work. It's very different uh, to advisory as we know it. Yeah, okay. So they would just sit there? I would say there's very little prep and you should keep it simple because if you think about it, how many times has an accountant put a very detailed cash flow together, gone off the information they thought they had, spent hours and hours and hours putting this detailed cash flow together, get in with the client and the client just says, no, I don't want to achieve that, and you're back to square one. Hmm. I mean, imagine if you're going to, imagine if you're going to prepare a cash flow forecast and invest so many hours, the client would have wanted it, no? Exactly. So I think it's it's, 
keep it simple. We we keep it simple to start with. You can always get more detailed after that, but we're trying to guess what the client wants based on our perspective and what we know. Mm. Our perspective does not matter in advisory. Our perspective matters in compliance. We need the answers then. But yeah. in advisory, it's about the client's journey. And okay, so then what, what are you delivering as an accountant in an advisory piece if it's not about you as the expert? So it's about you facilitating their education, their learning, uh, showing them insights that you have as an accountant to actually mm-hmm. pinpoint uh, to help them make better decisions. So it's more cool. of an educational coaching type feel yeah. uh, than it is about just go away and do this because you know people generally don't like to be told what to do um Mm. if you try to tell somebody what to do mm, you'll get a mixed reaction some will do it some won't um you know you're you're not really garnering engagement by using that approach so we take a lot of coaching methodology and what we do and train our accountants to use coaching methodology so that they can engage the client in the journey and the client ends up coming up with the answers and if they need then additional services from the client then you go off and get them that's why we the products are priced at five hundred dollars a month and a thousand dollars a month when we know a full cfo service which is advisory as we know it costs a lot more than that to prepare per month yeah we're not talking about that at all Mm. very different and does everyone kind of tend to stay around that cash flow piece or is it just a, a baby step and then usually you, there's more add-ons to that? It's a baby step. There's more, there's more add-ons to that, but we have to start somewhere and it's the best place to start is somewhere that you're quite comfortable and confident in to begin with, which is numbers and a cash flow and a cash flow forecast. Okay. And what, what's the next, say, two steps after that? Well, it depends on your own interests. I think this is where it gets exciting because you can do what you want to do as a, as an accountant mm. and what you find um, your clients benefit from the most. From my perspective, I do this work. I don't even start with cash flow anymore because I don't like that. I've never really <laughs> liked them. Um, my skill is very much in organisational structure. Uh, And so organisational structure, roles, productivity, efficiency, uh, looking at that, but using the numbers to tell me or to spot where there's a problem. Okay. Where's the, I guess, the intersection between what an accountant would do in that case and um, a business coach? Yeah. So the... Are you replacing a business coach or is it... Can they, can, they, can they still work side by side? Does, yes, they can. Yes, and I do that uh, because I bring a very numbers lens, numbers sense to things. So I'm following the story that the numbers are telling me and, and mm-hmm. I'm coming off of that perspective. And I do think that this is the missing piece that business coaches generally do not have. So yeah. where I think business coaches fall into this generally now or what we know business coaches as they're very much more sales and marketing focused people and um they have skills in in that area i don't and i don't hold myself out to be a sales or marketing specialist Uh, but i can see patterns and analysis and things in numbers where it's pointing to me that something is wrong so Mm. let's then delve into that and together work out what that problem is 
that's what and, I think accountants can do here. And as you said, like after five years of experience, you've seen yes. kind of businesses that you've seen uh, enough across different industries. You've yeah. seen enough to be able to sit down without too much prep, look at numbers and pinpoint, hey, I think there might be some issues there. Tell me a bit more about what's going on, you know, what happened last month. Look, if you're perfect for accounting, I guarantee that after a couple of years at looking at trial balances or profit and loss uh, or any financial statement for that matter, columns of numbers, that looks weird. You can point to something. It It becomes instinctual, right? It's instinctual. We see patterns. And that's why you say you don't need much prep, most likely. No, and you want to talk about when you're doing this business improvement advisory, you're wanting to connect with the client. You want the client to see value in it. So you should talk about what the client wants to talk about, not what you want to talk about. Mm. So it's putting, putting structure around that. So as an accountant, we feel safe enough to be able to do that. At the moment and with the way we've been shown to do things in the past, we've never felt safe to go down that path. So having this process allows you to feel safe. And are there any systems or tech that you have to implement to make this work? No, none. None. Okay. Mm-mm. Which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> yes. Makes it a lot. And how long would it take for, you know, from, to take that, like from zero to getting clients on board and actually delivering the service and, you know, what, what what's the typical time frame? Yeah. So from doing zero advisory, that's what you're asking me. Yeah. Yeah. So our, um, it does depend how motivated you are, but we see our students, the, the course is 12 weeks of training, 12 weeks of knowledge, and yeah. then it is eight weeks of implementation. So it's 20 weeks in total. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so it's not a quick thing. No, so no. Is it like an hour a week or what's the, the time? On average around four hours a week four hours a week so it's okay. it's a full immersion into doing this differently and that's a combination of you guys being on site and online or how does that yeah kind of mix work? so there's there's some online training there's videos there's workbooks there's things to read there's those normal things you would find in an online course and yeah. uh then there is a weekly live coaching call that happens with me uh, this is 20 weeks to Getting your first client no, on board as no, a business right? Oh, okay. No. Because I was like, that's let a very long back. time frame. Yes, no, let me step back to that. So we see clients start inviting clients into a advisory relationship from about week four. Okay. Gotcha. From the time when they feel confident, it's about building their confidence, Michael. It's not it's not about the fact that they couldn't do it. They could absolutely yeah. do it. But we've just seen a recent student now. He has he was inviting clients and doing meetings while he was in the 12 weeks. I think he secured his first paid meeting uh, about three weeks into the implementation, so three weeks yeah. into the eight weeks, and he's done three more since, and he has two clients on regular packages as a result. Okay. Back to the capacity question. Like- yeah. Uh, especially in the last 18 months where or 24 months now where staffing has been an issue mm. how where, where are you meant to come up with this capacity from like should you are there steps you're getting your clients to do to create that capacity or do they just need to get more hours or do they need to offshore do they need to automate stuff like what what are they meant to do to create to, to be able to even deliver the service right now when they're flat out just with the regular tax planning and compliance work? Yeah, it can be a real push. I think that we need to 
have a very good look at how our practices are set up and uh, you know, look, there's elements in creating capacity. Are we pricing correctly? Uh, yeah. are, do we have the right people in the right jobs? Are our teams set up efficiently to be able to do the work we need at the appropriate cost levels? Um, Can you look at that as well during your program? Not during the program, no. That's a whole nother exercise. So if that gets okay. identified, uh, we can certainly, we help some, but there are, you know, other organisations out there that do that very well. And yeah, okay. uh, so, you know, we would be making a recommendation to one of them. We do help some. And what's the ROI on yeah. your program or this process? Yes. Yeah. Because it sounds like it's a big time investment as well. It's a time, yes, it's definitely a time investment. Uh, and, of course, there's a financial one as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we can... It depends all on how much you're going to work it as an accountant. If you get serious about it, you can easily get five times ROI in about six to 12 months. Six to 12 months. Okay. And ROI, the financial ROI or your time ROI? Financial. Financial. Okay. I think think all the way along, you will start to get capacity as well, Michael. I think, you know, you start doing some things right and then everything else starts to fit in and flow after that. So... Okay. Are there other benefits of doing this besides, I guess, the financial ROI? Absolutely. Uh, it's more, well, not all, I shouldn't say that gen, <laughs> across the board. I was going to say it's more interesting work. But, you yeah. know, for some accountants, which is quite fine, they love their compliance, they love their technical side of things and just very happily sit in that space. And we need accountants that are there too. But there is also a group of accountants that don't enjoy that quite so much. And so mm-hmm. they want to do different things and they're hearing the pain from their clients and they don't know how to help. They don't have the tools in the toolbox to help their clients. So for those accountants, this process gives you a way to work on that more meaningful purpose-driven work for us. Yeah. Come back to why we became an accountant in the first place. So I think that at an industry perspective, industry-wide, we're starting to lose ourselves and we're seeing amazing professionals um, go out of the industry or want to exit the industry because it's overwhelming, it's stressful, I don't like it anymore, I'm not in love with it anymore, and we're having trouble attracting young talent to the industry as well. Mm. So we've got to do something. At an industry level, I think we're, we're all obligated to do something here. The problem is uh, when I speak to junior accountants, none of them want to wait five years before they do advisory work. Yeah. They'll be doing advisory work after, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months. Yes, um, yes. I think, no, you know, no one wants to do the grunt work anymore. <laughs> I think the thing is too is that, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's a good thing and I'm going to go down a different path with this now, but, you know, we've got to also look at where our talent pool is coming from and then they do want different things. That's an important thing to consider as a business owner. What do they want? How do we offer that? And there's there's parts of this process that they could certainly be involved in. They might might not be running it from start to finish, but there's certainly parts of the process they'd be able to be involved in in under five years. So yeah. Yeah, okay. Especially if you take them to client meetings and actually exactly. demonstrate. Exactly. Involve yeah. them in client meetings. See, they will soon get a gist of, of most of them will go, oh no, wait, I do need some more, you know, uh, mm. street cred or time on the tools mm-hmm. before I'd be confident doing that on my own. So Linda, what made you 
get into accounting? What made me get into accounting? Well, at the age of 14 was the first time I came across debits and credits and double entry bookkeeping. And wow. early. Early. And it just bought this love, love at first love sight. Love at first sight. Natural <laughs> order to the world, Michael, that I had just, it blew my mind. I was hooked from right from that moment. It all made sense. It was like, you know, the dominoes that just go. Was it a course at school or something? Yeah, it was or? a school subject. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's amazing. I come across it. I'm like, my school never, uh, like I kind of imagine a school offering accounting and I kind of imagine any teenager going, yep, I want to enroll in that course. It just made sense to me, Michael. It's just who I am. <laughs> and that's why I want to tell other accountants, celebrate that. We're amazing. We're exactly right where we need to be. It's just about mm. rounding out our careers around having a look at what we really want to do and bringing that purpose back to what we do every so, yeah, okay. Yeah. Look, for those not familiar with your career, um, I guess to summarize that you, you, you've been a partner, you've split from the partnership, went down the own, you sold your practice, and then you kind of went down the practice management route and then the advisory coaching now. Yes. Um, now, uh, one of the things that I, I remember you telling me is you kind of fell out of love with tax. I sure did. Um, so, not necessarily accounting, but tax, you know slash accounting, I guess. The technical aspects of that. The compl yeah. really compliance. I fell out of love because it, as I was saying before, I was that person that could see pain in my clients and I didn't know what to do with them. When you say that pain, like what was just businesses failing or? Yeah, business, well, not businesses failing, but business owners wanting advice, wanting me to tell them what they should do or how they should go mm. about it. And I had no way of navigating that. I, It's like I can do a cash flow for you or I can do your tax returns, but that wasn't helping them on a day-to-day, real-time basis. I mm -hmm. had no structure, no, no one to tell me or help me, support me and as to yeah. how to have a conversation or what to do with them. I was just completely lost. And after a little bit of time, it's like, oh, I'm sick of this. I just don't feel like I'm helping. I I really need to help people. You know, that's very much who I am. And I felt like I was failing them. So it's, I completely fell out of love with the technical aspect of accounting. Mm -hmm. Almost left the industry. Almost. I was so close. <laughs> yes, but I didn't. <laughs> and how did you go about learning those skills? Yeah. Like how so I went on a journey of education. We're lifelong learners as accountants. That's another big skill that we have is we love to learn. And so I went on a journey of education. I studied psychology. I studied neurolinguistic programming. I studied coaching. Mm. Um, and I did all of those. And I and, um, went into practice management, which has more of a HR feel and a business yeah. performance feel than you know, obviously doing compliance or working with clients every day. So it was the combination of all of those experiences. Um, our speaking, learned how to put together a speaking presentation, public speaking, uh, all of those different types of dynamics which you wouldn't think of ever learning as an accountant necessarily. Mm. And so I've taken snippets of all of that and, and it's evolved into what I now teach today. And do you think you would be a, your experience or your approach to accounting in the past is representative of it like a typical partner practitioner in the industry 
so yes i would think so um i okay. do i do think a lot can end up in a in a day-to-day that they never really signed up for hmm. just to clarify like when you said there was pain in, in, in your clients mm. or you, you could feel there was pain but you couldn't really do anything about it mm. what does that really mean and what i guess what would you do differently now you know if you're running a practice now yeah uh, how, how would you deal with that kind of pain or what what does a pain actually refer to well I'd have a different way of navigating it so I'd actually be able to to navigate finding the information that could get to the heart of what that pain was if Mm -hmm. that pain was you know something that I was not particularly skilled in then I you know would have a strategic alliance or someone in my network that I could say go see these people they will be able to help with that pain but I had no way of working out what what it was or really where this was coming from uh you know but I do think too I did do instinctually a lot of teaching when I was doing compliance I would teach people how to do their books or how to understand them or how to read the profit and loss um and so that helped, and I think that's still a big part of what we should be doing as accountants. But um, there's lots of different things, and I think that's where I really love to specialise in organisational structure now because mm. it, it makes a huge difference when you've got a growing business, a business of 1 million turnover to a business of 5 million or even 10 million turnover. They're, they're, they're structured very differently, not just from a, are we in a trust, a partnership or a company, structured internally very differently and people need to understand their their roles and their responsibilities and and how it all fits together and you know what that path looks like and what that means is the overall journey for the company so that's what i find the most interesting and yeah okay so basically you acquired more sorry to know you acquired more tools and you do that just by doing what you do so uh, it's just through experience. And often I know when I am working with SMEs or I'm working with my accounting clients, there'll be something that I'll experience with one client and I'm like, huh, I wonder if that'll work with this one and we'll mm. just talk about it. And I, I approach it with uh, so much curiosity these days, Michael. Yeah. It's all about curiosity. I have no pressure on me to have an answer and uh, it's about being able to just facilitate that flow of discussion and sharing ideas and collaboration. And it's the most rewarding work I've done in 30 years of my life. And, yeah, as you said before, like, I think the work is interesting and it's an attraction slash retention tool for, for staff because a, a, lot of, a lot of our candidates are constantly asking, well, or, or leaving roles that are compliance-based and asking for a firm or a practice that has more advisory because it's more engaging and it's interesting work. And, you know, there's only so many uh, ATO reports and reconciliations <laughs> you can uh, you can look at. Um, so definitely as a strategy, and I like the fact that you said it's um, part of it, yes, some, some extra tools, some some knowledge, but a lot of it is just a mind shift and it's a mind know, in, shift. in your approach. Yes, um, it's and- very much a mind shift. And, and, you know, there's, we say that we use four pillars throughout our training and the first and most apparent one is mind shift. Mm. Uh, mindset change uh, so it's mindset and uh, we have an account of a advisor framework then we look at your capability and, and bringing that up and then then of course we look at implementation so um, okay. but it very mindset based very mindset based when you 
you you you mentioned before one of the greatest challenges for accountants is that they're used to having answers in a schedule when they don't have answers but and, and your approach to advisory is being comfortable with mm -hmm. that how do you deal with that when you talk when you're having a conversation with a client they say well you know linda what should i do with this i'm having issues with that and you don't really have an answer mm. um what does your process or approach look like in that scenario yeah so the first thing is that we put some structure in place so we have uh we have a model that we work with that is effectively the life cycle of a business and so what mm -hmm. we can do is we use that as a translation device between accountant and client to help us pinpoint where they are what might be going wrong so it's a grid model and we just look at where that problem might be coming from or where that pain might be coming from uh, then from there it's about as problem solvers we're amazing problem solvers as accountants um, big processing um, superpower in our brains that's that's who we are and our natural reaction is someone asks us a question or gives us some sort of pain, we want to solve it straight away. So the mindset shift is, wait, I need more information. So let's ask more questions. The more questions, 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 questions you ask, all of a sudden the answer will come. And it may okay. not come from you. It may come as a combination of answering those questions. The client might go, oh, I know what I've got to do. I've got to do this, don't I? And you go, yeah, that's a really good idea. And do you equip your clients with those questions? Yes, we do. Okay. Yes, we do. They're surprisingly um, small and, um, you know, questions that you wouldn't think. It's something as simple as what else. Yeah. It's true. It's just a lot of open-ended questions. Yeah. It's what, it's what I teach my guys in recruitment as well. That's it. Um, and it, look, I'm, as you said before, some people it just come as naturally. Like I, as a child, I was always hyper curious like ridiculously curious uh, to the point that i annoy everyone around me yeah with the amount of questions i ask which you know why recruitment and, and business coaching for me is very natural yes um but i agree from a societal perspective there's a lot of discomfort of probing too much yeah uh, and i feel like that's always an impediment for people to ask yes it is questions and particularly um, with the communication profiles that we see accountants generally have the introvertness well the no, more the more the supportive nature so we're okay. extremely supportive in how we go about things so we quite like uh someone telling us what they want and then we can go and do it uh so i remember you said you studied it you actually like profiled a whole bunch of uh yeah yeah i did so i've hundreds of accountants have gone through two profiles that I use and yeah. we have a lot of very similar natural instincts and traits. And, and what, what are the trend lines that you spotted? So you say supportive as a Supportive a as trait? a communication style. Yeah. Uh, highly what, what, what are the other styles? Sorry, yeah. so I don't know which um, profile yeah. system to use. So I use DISC and yep. um, and so the it's dominance, um, influence, steadiness yeah. and conscientiousness and so yeah. that's what disc stands for and what we see the profile is generally a lot of high s and high c energy so mm. supportive yeah. communication with uh, a lot of detail and exactness about it and very little emotion very little yeah, emotion. Okay. and so decisions take a we 
a little more comfortable with not having to make a decision and not having decisions made for us, but somebody else sort of saying, I would like this rather than you going, we need to do this. So that's Mm. the dominant person or communication style. And so we don't see a lot of that. But the thing to remember about all of this and everything is that we all have these energies in us, a small amount. So it's about do I choose to dial it up or dial it down? That's our choice once we understand what's there. So it's conscious awareness and conscious choice. So we talk a lot about mindset, a lot about who we are, and that's something that I'd like to get into a lot more around emotional IQ leadership and utilising then what soft skills can we utilise to take our leadership journey up another step. So that's something in the development stage for Linda Steffens. Keep watching. <laughs> okay. Um, you mentioned one of your four kind of pillars of the framework is capability. Yes. Um, so what does that look like to kind of increase your capability? Yeah, practising. Okay. pretty much practicing so I don't want to scare any accountants out there listening to this but you do have to practice you do have to talk out loud and you do need to do that and and unless we do that or you're like role playing you mean or dare I say that awful awful word of role play um so yes in a very safe small environment so we keep it very safe it's okay and um, but yes, it is that because if you don't do that, all you're all you're doing is getting stuck in knowledge mode. Knowledge mm. mode gets you nowhere. Quick question for you, and I guess this is kind of you know for our younger listeners. In hindsight, what would you have done differently throughout your career or in your in your career? You know, so um, Ie, what would you be advising young accountants these days to be conscious of? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one because I'm I'm certainly a person that that looks forward not backwards so I don't know that I would have done anything differently um I would have loved someone like me being around when I was <laughs> there so I think it is educate yourself in areas that would not be typically considered accounting so to be more well-rounded yes yeah so whether that is some um, coaching methodology or public speaking or um you know basic psychology you you know and um oh marketing would be another fabulous one marketing is its own science in itself because it would help you in your own practice absolutely it will help you be able to speak and relate to clients yeah so yeah there's a lot of i think spread your wings when it comes to your education and round out Mm. uh, a lot of other areas that may feel push you out of your comfort zone but from a professional standpoint will put you in a much better place okay you mentioned coaching methodology a few times yeah what what does that refer to exactly yeah is there a particular resource that people should look at uh, no, it's really what I've learned and gathered from doing some coaching training myself, um, mm-hmm. being coached myself. So I walk my own talk um, and, you know, delving into what that coaching methodology is. So it's really about that we are a facilitator of learning, not a deliverer of answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's that it's a mindset shift. It's a different way of looking at how we provide value. And uh, yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, is it, but any particular 
resource or book or coaching that you've had that's like this is amazing you, like everyone should definitely read this or do this <laughs> no too. that one I don't I mean there's elements of that in my book but you know uh, no I didn't I actually took a course in coaching and so um, which course uh, so it's uh, one here the Sharon Jurd Institute and so she's a local coach here on the Gold Coast who okay. uh, taught me about coaching yeah and what yeah, that okay. means mm. it really opened my eyes Michael, I think we have in accounting, we have a certain opinion of what coaching is and what sales are for that matter. Mm. And it really is not quite right. And when we understand what it really is and what it does, then uh, we can understand how to use some of the techniques that they, they use. Okay. Yeah. And Look, I guess you've been in the industry for a very long time now. You've seen a lot of changes. I have. What, like, if you had to choose one or two that have had the greatest impact on the profession, what what would they be? Oh gosh. Uh, well, certainly GST had a huge uh, impact here mm-hmm. in in Australia from a technical standpoint, and yep. you know, I remember being. Where was I in that? How old was I in that point? <laughs> Um, you know, it, it really rocked how a firm delivered delivered their services to clients. Things changed a lot and then obviously uh, having to look at accounting software and, you know, the, the evolution of that and how clients use that and the love and hate relationship accountants have with that. Um, that, that was really, that was very big, yeah. So, okay. Mm. Well, I know you said you like to look at the future. So what does the future hold for the profession? Like what do they need to start preparing for, you know, and how? Yeah. Look, I think uh, the thing is, you know, compliance will never be dead. It will always be there. But the way that it is prepared or completed is definitely changing. We've got to look at because clients don't value compliance and uh, it's just something that has to be done it's part of it's a business it's necessary part. evil it's necessary evil yeah just like recruiters yes yes <laughs> and so you know look it's but it's very important and there's some amazing work that we can do in that compliance space so i'm not devaluing that from an accountant's uh, mm. you know viewpoint but it's really about the perspective of our clients and how they look at that. And if we're to be successful business owners going forward, it's really about well, taking a good look at what our clients want, uh, how we can help them and to be guided by that. And I don't think we've been doing that as accountants. I don't think we've been really playing that vital role in a business relationship because we've, we've, had really no one or nothing to really guide us in that path. We all, there's a lot of us that are trying. There's a lot of us that are out there trying advisory, trying to do it, mm. but just, you know, not navigating it fabulously um, or finding some some measure of success or small amounts of success and not the success we would like. So, Linda, why do you think there's been a push for advisory in the first place, like over the last? 10 years, five, 10 years, like it's just a buzzword, advisory, 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 especially in the last, you know, couple of years. What, like, if you're running a good practice, it's growing, you know, you're doing compliance work, is there really even a need for it? 
Yes, there is because our business inputs and our capacity, staffing, all of that, that's changing. A, um, a modern business these days, and, and particularly now just in the last two years, our world viewpoint has changed dramatically. So people want to work differently. Um, mm. They want to do more purposeful work. And we're seeing that come from our talent pool of, of younger people. And so as business owners, we've got to adjust to that and move with that. And so that's why we definitely, as accounting business owners, we need to move with that too. Um, because who are we going to hire? If our business model is all about chargeable hours and time, well, we're running out of people. We've got no people now. So how, how do we create profitable businesses when we're getting, you know, a real push or it's really hard to find good people pricing in a, in a market that, that's not, we're at our price limits when it comes to compliance. So mm-hmm. it's really having a good look at our business models, Michael, I think, you know, and, and we need to move with the times. We've got to look at where our talent pools are. What, what do they want? We've got to look at more valuable services to our client to create businesses that, you know, obviously help our clients and help them improve, but then are successful for us. Business is a risky business. And, you know, so you want to get the rewards that you deserve. And I see too many accountants not getting those rewards. Really? Because, I mean, the beauty of accounting firms or businesses is it's generally a nice, stable, you know, predictable business model it's it's recurring income which is is rare in a which is very rare in a service-based model it is what you're seeing though is profit margins are declining because of staff wages because of staff wages because of technology uh, because of the value of compliance Hmm. okay so i believe i've been talking about this ever since i wrote my book but um, accounting, the accounting industry and those traditional businesses, we're, we're fast approaching a tipping point. So, yes, it has been very profitable and, you know, set up traditionally like that, but I think that's changing. Okay. And I'm wondering, what, what advice do firms find the hardest to accept or implement? Advice in, in, sorry, what advice should I give firms? No, no, no. Like what, 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 when you do give them advice or, you know, processes to follow, whatever yeah. to implement, uh, what advice or aspects of the implementation do they find hardest to accept or to implement? Yeah, I think it's just around um, exactly what we were just talking about there, changing things, innovation, change, looking at things differently. And that just takes time. When we're talking Mm. about accountants and how we're made up, uh, we do change very well, actually, but we need time and information to be able to navigate it well. So anybody, if there's any other suppliers out there listening, that's what accountants need, time and information. And then they'll change with the best of them. So, you know. Linda, before we head to our rapid fire questions, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you if they wish to learn more? They wish to learn more. The best way is uh, catch up or connect with me on LinkedIn. That's probably yeah. the best way, Linda Steffens. And, uh, or they can email me directly at linda at lindastephens.com. Excellent. 
Some rapid fire questions. What's your favorite quote? <laughs> um, small hinges swing big doors. Small hinges. I like that. I haven't come across that like one. That you haven't come across that one. There you go. What's our tri- what, what's attribution? Well, it's really about you don't have to make big, wide sweeping change. You actually only have to do some small things and you'd be surprised at the results yeah. that it can bring. But what, what's the attribution of the quote? Like who? Oh, who I don't know to tell you the truth. Okay. I don't know. No. Because I was like, it's a good one. I'm yeah, you'll have to Google it, Michael. That, that will, has the answer for everything. <laughs> what have you read, watched or learned recently that's had the most impact on you? Yeah. So... The book that I read most recently is called The Fearless Organisation by Amy Edmondson and Mm. it's about psychological safety in the workplace. So a safe environment where we all understand that we're human, that mistakes get made. Um, It's about how you report them and how you learn from them. So psychological safety, yeah, really interesting, very, very interesting. They they followed the path of a number of emergency uh, units in the US and mm-hmm. about reporting, you know, obviously um, patient error or and, and things like that. And it was very interesting, their findings of what they found out about this psychological safety. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there anything county firms can take away from that book? Oh, absolutely. That it's okay to make a mistake. <laughs> Um, well, it's hard when you're in a cafe. Check out perfection at the uh, door. Yeah. <laughs> um, what books or books should accountants be reading? Oh, look, I love, there's a, there's a good old traditional one. I love um, The Seven, ha- Seven Habits of Highly of Effective course. People. I love it. It's classic. Uh, I also think if the, if you've never read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, that's another good yeah. one. That's a good one for advisory and coaching. Yes, actually. it yeah. is. And for clients as well. If a client is actually interested in reading something, it's it's a relatively quick and easy read. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, and, of course, then if we're thinking about leadership, um, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, last question. Who would you want to have a drink with? The most in the world, past or present? Now, oh my gosh. Um, I think, well, there's probably two. There's probably, can I have two? Am I allowed to say You two? can have two. You, okay. can, you can have a little cocktail party. Okay. <laughs> so the first one would be um, Marie Curie. Um, yep. And so, and the second one is Oprah. In, very different kind yeah, of Yeah, it's very different, but... Um, women that obviously have been on journeys and forging their own way. And I'd really be interested to find out what their motivations were because both their lives weren't, you know, all, they had their struggles. And so I'd Mm. I'd love to, you know, I I appreciate drive and motivation and when when you're up against all odds, how do you keep going? So... Yeah, okay. find that very interesting. And they like did that. some amazing things both in their own right. You know. 100%. Yeah. Linda, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like our podcast and share it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it is you hang out so more people can benefit from these speakers. Also, please subscribe on our website so you get all of our latest episodes. And if there's anything else I can help you with or you have speakers you'd love to hear from, 
or some feedback about the current episode, please feel free to send an email to michael at recruitmentexpert.com.au. Until then, take care and I look forward to connecting with you in the future.